Hello, and today I am here with Catherine D, aka Default Friend, uh, whose Substack I've really, really enjoyed for quite a while. Um, thanks for coming. <laughs> thanks for inviting me. Awesome. Um, I really have enjoyed like your excursions into like very online culture and the fact that you're chronicling the internet's uh, journey, I guess, and uh, all of the crazy, crazy little corners. Um, so I, I wonder what like inspired you to start digging? What was your uh, sort of what sort of led you to this raison d'etre? So I, I got online very early, um, like before I was 10, um, wow. which is why I have a lot of memories of the internet that make people think I'm like 40. I've <laughs> been on for so long. Um, and I worked at an ad agency where they like, for some reason, they wanted everyone to write a newsletter at this ad agency. So I wrote about like my memories of the early internet. Um, and then when I, when I started writing on, on Substack, I was like, Hmm, what should I write about? And that—that's what, that's what I ended up. I brought it back. And do you, if you don't mind me asking, why do you think that you were so online from like an early age? Um, I mean, well, part of it was it was like encouraged. Um, so my dad was like, "Computers are so cool. I want like." It was it was a really different time, right? It was like kind of like edgy and novel to be able to like play computer games. Mm-hmm. Um, this, you know, this was the the mid nineties, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I think I, I I was also socially awkward, so I, re- I actually remember thinking at some point when I got my own computer, like, great, now I have something to uh, <laughs> you know <laughs> retreat into. Um, and it, it was like it was freedom because I, I really hated socializing in the physical world. Um, and I, I mostly like role played and, and, you know, played MMOs. So it was like a <laughs> it, it was perfect. I could l- live a virtual life instead of a physical one. Wow. Yeah, it's it's really interesting you say that because I spent part of my childhood in America and like part of it in England. And I saw I sort of noticed that American youth were like far more like online than kids in the UK and like internet culture was so much more part of like high school culture than it was here in the UK at least when I was growing up anyway um and I wonder what you what you think is there a specific reason that uh, American youth are I guess more online (laughs) in that sense um I mean there's less it feels like such a cliche answer but there's really less community and like sort of natural Mm. identity Mm -hmm. um you know like i like i'll talk to people from like for example like talk to people from like montreal and uh you know it's like being french canadian is like part of their identity in a way and i think even something like that like it just pulls you more into the physical world or really like anyone who's in like a diaspora that they aren't you know aren't resentful of those people tend to not be as online um but like the more lost and uh placeless you feel the more likely it is you'll you'll be very online yeah the more likely it is you'll end up a denizen of the internet (laughs) for sure for sure um and and one of the things that you sort of touch on uh that i find really interesting and i mean you don't necessarily explain explicitly this way um but I guess this is like the succinct way of putting it is like the sort of antisocial behaviors that manifest from the alienated feelings that people feel and then find space to express on the Internet. Um, and one of this, the series I really enjoyed you that you did was the Adam Lanza uh, series that you did. That was really phenomenal. I recommend everyone go listen to it. Um, you'll you can let everyone know where to find stuff at the end for sure um but yeah like um this sort of alienation um that you're referring to tends to breed antisocial behavior um and the internet is sort of like a place that fosters a lot of this antisocial behavior um i wonder what your thoughts are on it and and how how you sort of navigate navigate it um i mean the the antisocial behaviors are why they manifest or yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think it's again. It's, it sounds like really cliche, but a big part of it is you just become detached from your body, right? If you, your life is so cerebral um, that you're not you're not feeling things, and I think what's sort of underappreciated is like emotions don't register in the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, part of being isolated and antisocial is like you don't. Um, 
you know, if something negative happens, you don't internalize it in the same way you would if you were experiencing things like mostly in the physical realm, right? Mm -hmm. You're, you're in a, you're in a bubble sort of. Um, and I think this, this also makes people capable of acting in ways in the physical world that they wouldn't necessarily be able to if they were more grounded. Mm -hmm. Um, and then sort of the, you know, the crescendo is like the mass shooting, Mm -hmm. I feel, but there's, I mean, there's other, there's other things too. Um, and I just wrote like a very long piece about like sort of like the history of cyber sex and like cyber affairs. Um, it's like very easy for people to have these like very involved emotional affairs mm -hmm. online. <laughs> people who mm -hmm. probably wouldn't do the same thing like in the physical world mm -hmm. because there's like this detachment between like your virtual self mm -hmm. and your physical self. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. But they may be eventually put into a position where like they meet that person and they do actually cheat in the physical world. Right. Yeah. But that, but it's, it's, there's something about like that, that disconnect. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, because they, they, they didn't go through the experiences of someone who's, who's, you know, acting this way in, in, in real in life. Real, yeah, exactly. It even sort of brings to mind the, this recent SBF scandal, um, as well, and how um, you know aspiration is sort of completely migrated online, and one of the domains that has had a lot of sort of hope projected on it has been crypto, um, especially young people who feel alienated, not just socially but like financially as well, and who want to sort of find a way of gaining financial freedom. Um, and it seems as if uh, there's, there's because because people's a lot of young people's alienated feelings um, and disconnect from the real, real world uh, is being sort of poured into the internet. There's like all this stuff that's like waiting to take advantage of that like um, that misplaced energy. <laughs> um, and it's quite it's it's really it's really sad. I mean, I wonder what your thoughts are on the, on this situation that's occurred and and what you think it means about internet culture and, and Web three and all of these different things. Yeah, crypto is interesting. Uh, I mean, I think of crypto, like all the scams and sort of dangers of cryptos, it's like the scams of like the frontier, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's this, it's the first, like, I think, like real place of possibility for people. Mm -hmm. um, and in terms of like the FTX thing, I mean, a big, a big part of that is just like, it's Silicon Valley is really bad at, um, uh, they, they, they're, they're poor judges of character, I think is sort of what it boils down to. And there's like a huge culture of sort of like, um, you know, sucking people off who are like, <laughs> feel like seemingly chosen at random. Um, you know, it's like very much, I don't, like, I, I remember like when I was in high school, there is, I like never understood the like, why certain people would say of others like oh you know so and so is so smart and like they never like demonstrated that they're so smart they had there was like something else about them like uh you know maybe their dad was rich or <laughs> something but it, it just like it was never it never anything to do with anything they'd actually done it was like their confidence can kind of get ahead of who you know who they were and what they had actually contributed mm -hmm. um and i mean that's something that's like very present in in, in the valley and it's it's kind of bananas because it's not like a, it's not a traditional kind of charisma, right? Like you look at, um, Sam Bankman Freed or like Elizabeth Holmes, mm -hmm. um, or Adam Newman or any of these sort of like these faces of, uh, Silicon Valley scammers. And they're not exactly like the charming people you expect to <laughs> you know, take you for a ride. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. so it's a very weird culture out there. I think it's cause what is considered charm has changed, especially because, I guess strength of weakness has become such a popular like frontier of like social capital in that sense. And one of the things that Sam Bankman Fried sort of prized himself on was this idea of um, effective altruism and being sort of a philanthropist. And Elizabeth Holmes also sort of milked this like persona, uh, this sort of constructed persona of um, being this sort of uh, female like Silicon Valley uh, go-getter um, and. I guess it's really interesting that during a period where you're allowed to sort of digitally curate your identity and sort of create a brand and a persona <laughs> and have that much more distance from who you truly are, these sorts of anti-social figures are now sort of emerging in culture <laughs> and like running wild. Um, it also brings to mind that Anna Delphi chick as well. Um, oh, yeah. I feel like we're just, we're, this is the new mode. Like we're just going to see so much more of this sort of thing like <laughs> well, so I think 
the Silicon the Silicon Valley thing's interesting because there's definitely this like phenomenon of like like especially on Twitter, right? Where you have people who are sort of like Twitter famous tech bros, but they actually haven't done anything. But they still have like quite a bit of like Cloud. social currency. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I will say that like a lot of these characters, right? Like um, you know, like Sam Bankman Fried, for example, like they're a- they're acting in real life. They're acting in the physical world. Um and a lot of founders who like are you know fraudulent or like if not fraudulent like haven't actually done anything like they're they're navigating these spaces um in person mm. so it's a it's a little it's a little bit different i think it's a little bit there's definitely an element that takes place online mm-hmm. but in terms of like founders I, th- I think a lot of it's happening in physical space um and it's it's this weird thing where like you know, and, and I've observed this a lot, and, um, you know, I want to preface this with saying that, like, I don't think uh, tech's all bad, and, you know, it's, it's I've, I've had a, a good time working in that space, and whatever, everyone knows I love them, but there definitely is a thing of, like, um, people just insisting that they're something, even if they're not, like, especially insisting that they're intelligent, you could convince someone, like, I, I've seen, and women especially are poisoned for this, you know, if you say it to the right person, the right number of times, the right amount of confidence, you could like convince someone that you're like a chess grandmaster and you don't know, you, you don't even know how to set the board up. I mean, uh, that, you know, everything there's to know about AI and like, you don't know shit. Like mm-hmm. it is so easy to just like convince people that you are an expert on something and that they should invest in you. Um, and I don't know if it's like a California naivete or what, mm. um, but there's, I mean, the amount of, uh, just like, snake oil salesman <laughs> in, in NorCal. I mean, it's, it's, it's insane. And mm-hmm. I, I mean, I've seen it happen. I've seen it unfold in, in real time, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I'll go to parties and, and I'll be like, this dude has no idea what he's talking about. And like, I'm, you know, I'm no, no tech genius myself, but even, like, even I'm able to like clock, like this guy has no idea what he's talking about. And like the last 12 people I've run into have described him as a genius <laughs> just because he's so, he has so much conviction mm-hmm. that he's a genius. Mm-hmm. 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 And also not just that, the projected image as well, yeah. um, the ability to sort of curate like a, a vibe, quote unquote, um, like Elizabeth Holmes, as an example, like the Steve Jobs, like turtleneck, um, <laughs> all of her, the, her, her very deep, uh, deep masculine voice. Um, and it, yeah. I, ironically, uh, during her trial, she kind of did a full 180 in terms of her outfit choices as well, which I thought was pretty funny. Like she started dressing like the kind of suburban every mom instead. Um, and yeah, I, I don't know. I, I do kind of see a parallel though between these figures and how they have kind of successfully managed to seduce and swindle um, the kind of milieus that gave them all this access and the way that people are able to kind of curate digital identities and like take advantage of like consumer bases through that <laughs> i feel like it's just kind of the spirit of the times um oh absolutely yeah. i mean you see like a like a way more like benign example is like you have people who um you know like they're great on twitter right and they've curated a vibe on twitter um but then it's like they can't they they can't keep it together enough to like run a Substack and like mm-hmm. shit out some low effort article like once a week or something mm-hmm. right or it's like like the when they're actually tested is like when they have to produce any kind of product and like what's like i mean so um you know amazing about these founders is like they're put to the test when they're running yeah. com- companies i have like yeah. millions billions of dollars at stake yeah yeah <laughs> definitely definitely it's 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 really it's been it's been quite an interesting like couple of weeks in general just like in the internet space i mean like there's also a few crypto billionaires have died as well recently i don't know if you've yeah. been following yeah, oh, I, don't yeah. Know I don't know what to make of that <laughs> yeah i don't know if you've been following that stuff it just seems like a soap opera um and this you know it's really easy to dismiss what goes on on the internet if you're like a normie um and like my, my journey has been different from you it's like i wasn't like online at all until I started making content. So like a lot of what I was like one of the, like a babe in the woods type of situation where I had no idea what the conventions of the online realm were and just kind of got caught up in, in, in things and stuff like that. But it's definitely, um, it's definitely like something that like 
most people I think are ill-equipped for um, especially as things start to kind of like accelerate um, I wonder what you think in terms of like things for people to navigate the internet in a way that's like that's like safe and sane in that sense is that something that you spend any time thinking about yeah I mean I, I think I think about it a lot like for for myself I mean I think there's certain groups of people who you know are kind of up shit's creek right um I you know I, I completely and I, I've written a like probably more than I should have ever like a few pieces about like I understand why like journalists have meltdowns right mm -hmm. like that seems inevitable it seems like if you want to be a journalist, you need to have some kind of social media presence. It doesn't have to be Twitter, but even if it's just like TikTok or something, right? Yeah. Like you need to leverage that because that's how you get a staff position. Um, I mean, sure, it's also the quality of your work, but like you need to navigate so many different things, like the, the politics of the media world. And then if you want to sell a book, you need to prove like you don't just work at like, for example, the Atlantic, but you also have a certain social media following. Um, and just see like, just the amount that you need to like stay plugged in and know what's trending so you could you know you can keep feeding the algorithm and then the amount of hate you inevitably get after a certain follower count like of course they're gonna like have like a jason stanley style meltdown at some point it's it's like you know i i, I imagine like a future where like there's like some kind of class action lawsuit where it's like uh, you know, like we Twitter fried our brains or TikTok fried our brains, and it's because our it was like a career hazard, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, for I mean, for normal people, I, I think like it, you know, it's 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 much it's much easier, right? Like mm -hmm. um, you just have to be more intentional about what you do. It's so it's so easy to have like your smartphone just become like an extension of yourself. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah, and just and just like you know, be constantly have this like veneer of the internet. Um, and everything you do. And I, I think there's even things we take for granted and like things I've been trying to be more intentional about. Like um, one example I, get, I give a lot is like, I actually do think it's problematic to like constantly be listening to music, like on your commute, as you're walking down the street. Um, I, I think, you know, I think like one, it changes your relationship to music, but it, 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 it disconnects you from your immediate environment. Mm -hmm. And it's, it actually isn't insignificant. Like it Definitely. really changes how you're interacting with the world around you. I mean, there, there's tons of things like that. Then like very small changes that I think uh, could help make people healthier. Definitely. It's like this like overstimulation and like <laughs> this constant sort of like people, people can't function without it almost. And it, it's getting, it's getting much worse. But back to journalism, um, speaking of Sam Bankman-Fried, it's been quite interesting to see how he's currently being treated by the press um, and how he's sort of being treated with like kid gloves I mean he's like being described almost as if he's a boy um, that's sort of the language that they're using around him is this, he's this sort of boy genius even though he's like a 30 year old man um, <laughs> and like you know like all this sort of language that kind of shrouds him in, in this sort of miasma of innocence or whatever um and i wonder what you make of that like what you think of that, that whole situation have you seen any I of the think, interviews that he's done that have been so yeah you know and i i think like the you know like the discourse around it is like probably correct like they're, they're protecting his reputation and his image mm -hmm. but i also think like a big part of it is like you know who are these journalists like really speaking to or like who are the editors editing for mm -hmm, right mm -hmm. like who do they not want to piss off mm -hmm. um even more than like protecting him from the public mm -hmm. um and it's like an internal you know it, there's like some internal politics mm -hmm. at play here mm -hmm. um you know so i i, I think I, mean, I think that's a huge a huge part of it it it, it feels weird because it's like it's almost it feels like almost too obvious to to say right <laughs> <laughs> like of course this is what's going on mm -hmm. definitely definitely um and another question i wanted to ask you um as well is like um regarding politics online as well i know that you don't necessarily talk too much about it but i know that you've sort of mentioned a little bit about it in passing but i see politics as like i guess one of the key areas of contention online and the key areas of like identity online as well um it's usually how people get sucked in to the online realm it's for sure how i did i, I had no interest in it um until like the sort of political waves started to kind of occur and as as an as a mars in aquarius you know that's like my <laughs> that's my fucking thing um but yeah like um politics seems to be one of the primary sort of anchors that people kind of group 
around online and it becomes sort of incredibly like stratified and there are constantly constantly shifting alliances and um you know (laughs) things rise and fall and all of those different things what do you make of the political realm for me personally i try to sort of like avoid being seen or as on anyone's side or like avoid avoid trying to have any sort of affiliations um but yeah i wonder what you make of it yeah i mean well i think it you know part of the reason it it's like it's like politics and then like major celebrities of like huge fan bases right because yeah. it's yeah there's yeah. so few things where you there's like critical mass where you could get enough people who are sort of battling it out and like enough people care and i think it's sort of like added, you know, which kind of like raises the stakes of like political conversations is, you know, who's listening, right? Mm-hmm. You have uh, legacy media is listening, but you also have the sort of like alt media hierarchy, which is, you know, sort of like the shadow world version of legacy media. Uh, you have I mean, people who actual politicians who are like plugged into a lot of these things. Um, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of important people who are sort of listening and there's something kind of, you know, you hear rumbles of like, oh, like so-and-so is DM'd by so-and-so. And yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it kind of, it kind of raises it kind of raises the stakes, but also like there's always something happening. So there's always there's always like a conflict to be fueling that narrative, yeah. right? There's it's it, it the machine is sort of always on in a way that it's not always on with other topics, mm. and you know it can it, it and it's probably like the last area where there's like anything that's sort of like a monoculture, right? Where everyone sort of knows what's what's going on mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and therefore they can take a side and they can identify against someone um or with someone mm-hmm. um whereas like you know it, again it's been said like a thousand times before but like not everyone knows what's like streaming on netflix and uh you know not everyone knows uh you know, like the way like music has changed completely um you need you need some kind of conflict to keep the conversation going and politics sort of like the last area where it's like oh well we all know uh like the you know dumbass thing biden said or like whatever right Mm. i find that it makes commenting on the current moment that much more difficult though because there's always this sort of weird pressure to capitulate to the demands of a certain side and (laughs) despite the fact that you're just attempting to comment on a social phenomenon there are very few people who attempt to remain objective anymore (laughs) and not that you ever fully can but like there should still be that kind of intellectual like i guess integrity (laughs) um but it it's sort of lacking I, i i wonder what you think of this Oh, yeah. I mean, I totally agree with you. I don't think anyone's like meaningfully political, right? You know, it's especially like on on social media, it's not really about, it's not like, oh, you saw something happen and you have like a genuine feeling about it and you want to share it for whatever reason. You know, it's like, it's, I I mean, it's to show like what click you're in, what side you're on. And then very occasionally, like there's some kind of gain from this, whether it's followers or like, you know, you're tweeting the right take. So, you know, some editor will invite you to write an article Mm -hmm. or you get invited Mm -hmm. to the right group chat or it's appeasing the right group chat. I mean, there's, there's so many things and like nothing has anything to do with like (laughs) your physical life. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Which is what makes it so like distinctly like i guess alienating unless you're just doing what you want and i guess that's kind of um the thing it's either you follow the incentive structure or you don't (laughs) um and i or you can try to do both i mean some people try to strike a balance of following the incentive structure and not following the incentive structure it's incredibly difficult to do that um but i i i'm one i personally think that there's no point unless you're saying what you want um it's too it's too difficult and it's too contentious like not to like what what the fuck's the point (laughs) unless you get to say what you want you know, like to play devil's advocate. I mean, I, I do think there's uh, there's some benefit as you know, so long as you're not letting it like eat you alive, right? There's some benefit in kind of like picking like a side. Like you know, people know that you're generally on the left or you're generally on the right mm. because it does open up certain doors. Like especially if you you know want to to sell content, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm not somebody who um, frowns upon that at all. I mean, like I am a, a content creator. I, I I make a living off like Substack and, and writing articles for magazines. And like, yeah, part of that is like you play the game a little bit, but it's like to what extent are you letting it sort of rule you? Like there's some people you just know it's like, okay, uh, you know, like trans people are in the news. This person's going to say X, Y, and Z. And you, you just you just know it, right? Mm-hmm. And, you, mm-hmm. and it's, and you know who's pulling the strings Mm -hmm. doing it a little bit so you you build an audience Mm -hmm. and you know 
pumping out the hot take piece every now and then. So you could write the like 3000 word piece on something you're really passionate about. I think it's like, yeah, it sucks, but that's, that's, that's industry, right? Like, that's, it's just, it kind of just is what it is. It's, it's fan service. <laughs> I guess, I mean, it depends. I mean, for me personally, like I guess because there's such a lack in terms of like areas that are like universal because everything has become so stratified and polarized. I like to think that it's cool. I like to think for me personally, like I don't want to feed into that. And like the idea of picking a side just for the sake of having social capital doesn't appeal to me. And I feel like most people don't have coherent politics anyway. Like every single one of us is like a mishmash of all kinds of different things. And I feel sad that there aren't as many, like you said, general conversations going on, um, despite the fact that even when you look on all the different sides of the political spectrum, a lot of the same issues are being discussed. And despite the fact that people have sort of different approaches and ideas about them, the same alienation that we were talking about at the beginning lies at the root of everything. Um, most of the people, whether they're on the right or the left, they grew up the same way that you were referring to in the beginning, <laughs> um, you know, alienated, uh, insecure all of those different things and it seems as if there's a lot more in common than there is like apart and I guess that's the reason why I don't necessarily try to signal to anyone because um, I just don't want to I don't want the expectations that come along with that and I feel like when people do that it eventually bites them in the ass in some way and I I have done that in the past and it did bite me in the ass so I'm like I'm not fucking doing that again like fuck that shit but it really it depends I, well, go, yeah, go ahead. I mean I think I, I think it's how people find belonging yeah though, right like you know there's a lot of people who are sort of like hopelessly addicted to social media yeah. and, you know or like are tweeting like 500 times a day mm-hmm. um, and again like I'm not passing judgment on those people I'm, I'm one of them right um and like I'm not in like this particular milieu but like I I I have compassion for people who are sort of like feeding the take machine because like what's what's the motor behind that is like some click that they're a part of right yeah, it's of like course, of course. It's, it's like you're paying the toll so you could like be, be in the group something. chat yeah and like you, it gives you a sense of purpose and a sense of identity and like maybe friends like you know it's it's probably different for each group like you know how durable are these friendships uh, I mean the problem is that it's so with politics it's sort of like so intimately tied to oh, yeah. um, different public Publications and like in some cases like real politicians who yeah. were like oh this is kind of cool and yeah. interesting let me, let me yeah. <laughs> well, well now we're gonna talk about we're gonna talk about feelings as women we're gonna get we're gonna get emotional now um and like <laughs> wait what's your what's your sign first of all what's your sign I'm a Pisces oh okay so perfect <laughs> perfect <laughs> perfect okay so yeah um like yeah like you're saying like it is it is a it's a shibboleth for friendship basically and people do get incredibly emotionally like involved in these connections but in my personal experience especially because I was like very connected to sort the sort of online left um until I sort of like got sane and like ran away uh, I I was quite I was young I was in like my early 20s and I had made quite a few close friendships in that kind of milieu and but as soon as my like um perspective changed or I started to express more of my own sort of personal ethos as somebody who grew up differently and has a different perspective and all of these different things those friendships were sort of swiftly kind of like gone and it did have like sort of a profound effects on me one more a more profound effect than I thought it would have considering these weren't like real tangible connections um and i guess that's what kind of made me skeptical and and because it kind of gave me a window into the kind of social pressure and psychological pressure that people are under when they decide to make connections in that way um and i realized that a lot of it wasn't even necessarily political for me it was the impulse to find belonging and community that was kind of wearing the costume of politics in that sense and it was kind of a prison um and there has to be a a better way is basically what i'm saying because i i don't know what your thoughts are. are you just kind of resigned to this as the status quo do you think it's unhealthy like what what are your thoughts I mean, it, it's definitely it's definitely unhealthy. Um, I don't think it's always unhealthy. Um, but it's it's most it's mostly unhealthy. I mean, it's this this isn't the particular way that like I 
I connect with people, um, mostly because I don't know, how, like, I don't even know how to pretend, right? I have sort yeah. of like an internet autism where it's like my, my inability to socialize kind of like <laughs> translate online. My, yeah, same, it's, yeah, same. It's, talk about a prison. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I mean, I've one, one like rule I've sort of found, and this has been true, you know, I find this to be true even outside of uh, internet socializing. Mm. Um Anytime, like, people really have skin in the game, so that it's, like, a hobby or something that, like, requires, like, a significant amount of investment where you can't easily change lanes, you'll find, like, very genuine people. Mm-hmm. Or, like, people who have, like, committed in, like, some, like, significant way. Um, mm-hmm. And the example that I, like, always give, which it doesn't seem like it's true anymore since I last checked in, but, like, 10 years ago it was true, was, like, the puppeteering community, mm-hmm. right? Like, because no, no one gets into puppets because, like, they're trying to look cool and, like, the there's like kind of a high barrier of entry um it's it's like weird there's a lot of things to learn um it's very very niche Mm -hmm. and so like everyone you know again like 10 years ago that you would meet in the puppeteering community was like very genuine and like it was much easier to like form friendships and like because you were connecting over over puppets Mm -hmm. right (laughs) so i think like online like anytime someone seems like very serious or like a community seems very like serious and also there's no sort of like outside incentive to like become famous or like there's no sort of like there's no like journalists like waiting in the wings to like hand select people to turn into micro celebs that's where it's easy like it's easier to connect even if it's like harder to like initially enter Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. when there's no sort of like a carrot on the stick when it doesn't it, it doesn't turn into squid game which is kind of how it feels. <laughs> it kind of feels like a, that kind of squid game, like crabs in a barrel atmosphere. But in that sense, I guess my my major kind of concern is the um, the fact that it kind of pushes people not to be true to themselves. Um, and it also incentivizes them to deny their true reality, not just internally, but externally too. And like, voice their sense of being and their sense of connectedness into this like into the digital realm and like that's like obviously becoming more of a common phenomenon and like the more you you the more of you you put into it the the more it kind of takes over your life so if your career is tied up in it your friendships are tied up in it like it can like it's like a very kind of delicate it's a weird kind of thing and i don't know i i find it kind of i'm i sort of have a very tepid standoffish relationship to it, I guess. I, I mean, I, I hear you. And that's what I was saying. Like, I mean, like journalists experience this, you know, like the worst of this, like no shit, they're going to have these, these, these pu- very public meltdowns mm-hmm. because it's like, mm-hmm. you know, it's one thing to be kicked out of like, whatever, like the post left group chats or, you know, wh- whatever. Right. It's another thing if you're like kicked out of the like New York times, you know, cool kids table. Right. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, okay, well, now what? Like, am I going to start a Substack? Like, what? Mm-hmm. Like, what's what's next? Mm-hmm. So, uh, I mean, yeah, of course, these these tight ropes are like very difficult to it walk. Makes it makes me sad. It makes me feel because you know because these are people with voices. That's what. That's why it makes you sad. These are talented fucking people with voices, and it pisses me off that the game distracts them from their like essence, which is what I'm interested in. And it's the also the reason why I try to stay politically ambiguous because there are people on all sides of the argument that like I find interesting and I feel have important things to say and secondly like I even the people who I most vehemently disagree with or who I think that their opinions are you know the most abhorrent or you know anti-social people for instance people who spend a lot of time online being inflammatory I don't think that those people are really bad I think they're sad and that they're hurting and I have compassion for them like I don't hate anybody and I think everybody's style is interesting and I think everybody has something to offer um and I think it's really sad that the game kind of distracts otherwise incredibly creative brilliant people and that's one of the things that I do value from my experiences online is that I've been exposed to so many people who have just like inspired me and like challenged me and and things like that but it it, it gets sort of siphoned off into this sort of like war of all against all um which is yeah 
I mean, do you do you feel like it's it's impacted your ability to like speak to your to your audience or like to build connections as you've decided like I just want to hear people out? Mm-hmm. Like, do you, do you feel people like do you feel like it's made you like less visible? Oh yeah, definitely. And it's like a it's sort of a thing that I've just made peace with because it's a more it just feels better and I feel like there's no point of if it doesn't feel good the other incentive structure is too it's like um there's that, that, that there's that, like Buddhist saying that like um being the ego is much harder than like being yourself because being the ego takes like effort and you have to kind of like put lots of effort into the performance of yourself whereas like when you're just yourself you are at ease not just with yourself but like with other people and that's kind of how rejecting the incentive incentive structure has felt for me but then there's also this serious FOMO that comes along with it so it's like an inevitable it's shit on it's shit on all ends basically um but like I don't know I the thing that I value the most is like what I get to see and learn from others and also what I also get to give and impart to others I guess and that's like the most important aspect um yeah I mean another big part of this um and it's something I have to constantly remind myself is like you you learn how to speak to people on certain platforms and it's easy to forget that there's a whole big ocean of internet out there that's true that's Um, true that's true you know like for me it's constant I you know I constantly have this like push and pull with Twitter where it's like I know I I have an audience on Twitter and I know how the game works on Twitter and I know that I really can't play the game to the fullest extent because I like was kind of too awkward to like buy into all the rules you know early on and I kind of put myself on the bench um and but but I like forget like well I don't have to just be on Twitter all the time if I want to use the internet to like either build an audience or to talk to other people or, you know, do whatever. There's like, a, there's other, there's other places even on Twitter, exactly. right? there's others, uh, but it's so, it's so easy to forget, like, cause you get so plugged into like one medium exactly. that you like trick yourself into thinking it's the whole, the whole world. world. It, I mean, it's really, it's, it's really, it's really not. Mm-hmm. It's just like, I know how this world works and I know what the incentive structures of this particular world exactly. are. Um, exactly. <laughs> and so it's, it's a lot, it's, it's, you know, there's, it's a lot bigger and there's people People, um, even just looking at it from like a very mercenary point of view, there's people succeeding and like pulling that, ca- you know, that internet social capital into the physical world on different, you know, in, in different areas. And mm-hmm. if like, that's the goal, you could, you don't have to do it in this particular milieu. You could do it in, in, other, in other places ways. too. Yeah. In other places for sure. And I mean, everybody has to sort of find the, the correct balance for them, but in the political realm specifically, and in, and also in the realm of journalism and things like that, I feel like the, a lot of the value and the beauty is kind of lost when it cut went with the, in the sort of crabs in a barrel war of all against all atmosphere that we're all sort of incentivized to be in there. Like it's, it's this sort of weird environment where people hate you and you don't even know why or you have a grudge against someone you don't even understand why you have a grudge against someone and that person could otherwise be brilliant and you could learn so much from them they could learn so much from you it's just like it's sad to me it kind of feels like that um hedgehog's dilemma thing (laughs) like it's like yeah i i mean i hear you there's i mean there are so many people you know like i like half a dozen off the top of my head where it's like i think they you know, they, they might like peddle some like shit takes, whatever, but they, they, they're very intelligent. They, I like their product. I like what they're doing. I think they're cool. And they hate me for like no fucking reason at all. And it's probably just because someone in some group chats that I was a bitch, <laughs> and, you know, they've been saying I'm a bitch since 2019. You know? <laughs> and it's like, I, like I'll still, you know, shell out $5 for, you know, for your Patreon or whatever, but it's like, yeah, that, that sucks. I don't know what I did. I just existed wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy, but it's, it's still, it's still so, it's still quite compelling though like I can quite I can understand the the thrill of the game as well it's kind of similar to the whole like crypto investment thing (laughs) as well like I can get I get the thrill of the game and the the sort of um I guess carrot on the stick is like FOMO and I guess one of the biggest feelings that the internet kind of relies on to kind of fuel itself is FOMO this feeling that you're missing out or you're going to be left out or there's an opportunity that you are going to uh, be sort of ostracized from or a group of people that you won't be able to mingle with or whatever um what do you think about FOMO what are your thoughts on on this feeling I mean it's it's an illusion because like what are you what are you actually missing out on exactly you're missing out on maybe like maybe like validation but you know it's like I said just have to remind yourself that like and again like 
you know, it's, I don't think a lot of people are willing to talk about this sort of in like an unveiled way, but like, if it really is like, again, an audience validation, any of these things as content creators, we're supposed to pretend like we don't want. And there's other, there's just like other places to get it. And it's hard, but like, once you break through and once you realize like, oh, actually I, I, I can do it. And even if it's just interesting people, like, you know, you just have to keep trying and like, eventually you, you can find them. Mm-hmm. Like one thing that's been sort of like a white pill for me is like, um, when I was doing the Adam Lanza project, I stumbled upon that guy, Blurring Genius, who was I interviewed for the first episode of, of the podcast series. And he, you know, he's a really cool, really smart guy. I definitely don't um, agree with or like endorse all of his beliefs, but you know, just super clear on that. But he's, you know, he he thinks that his positions and he's he's very he's very interesting and he's he's very civil, even if some of the things he believes are kind of wacky. And through him, I discovered there's like a whole universe of like these sort of like, hate to use the word, but like dissident YouTubers who, you know, are speaking to audiences of like 500 people tops or, you know, 2000 if they're lucky. Um, And they're not doing it for a paycheck. They're not doing it for clout. They're just kind of doing it because like they, you know, like a a love of debate and a love of discussion. Um, And it's like, I would have never even seen these people if I just stayed focused on sort of the weird Twitter sphere that I'm adjacent to. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and there's, but there's like, so there's so much of that. If you're just willing to like persevere and like look for people and like go, you know, be like interest directed and you realize, Oh, there's a lot of people online who are sharing their beliefs. I just have to like care Can. to notice. Them. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely. Definitely. <laughs> Back to the, um, the Adam Lanza, uh, piece that you did, that, which was phenomenal by the way like really well researched just it totally opened my mind and also shocked me just how little the media actually reported on the meat of the issue i was kind of completely blown away by some of the information that you uh you you talked about in it um yeah, I, w- I wonder what what made you what motivates you to dig as deeply as you did into this uh into this story yeah, it's 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 weird. It's you know I um, the, the, I'm sort of an embarrassing story because it makes me sound like a lunatic. But I um I went to a bookstore and I picked up a copy of Culture of Complaint, um, and in the the cover it was you know to Sharon Lanza, which was um, or sorry to to Nancy Lanza, which is uh, Adam Lanza's uh, mother, and I, I was probably just like someone with the same with the same name. But it made me think like, oh, you know, I just like Googled uh, Sandy Hook after seeing after seeing that. Um, and then I I don't know, like just through Googling, I realized like, wow, there's like this. There's so much more to the story than like anyone really talks about. And I went through and I looked through all his like bookmarks and I, I, I read through his digital footprint and I looked through, um, you know, I, I looked through his YouTube channel, which is like, like super under discussed. Um, you know, and I just, I just sort of like went through, through everything. And I, I, I realized like, wow, there's, people just aren't talking about this. So I ended up making this series. And, and through that research, I, like I said, I found uh, Blithering Genius, who wrote um, like a wonderful essay sort of breaking down Adam Lanza's YouTube channel called The Ghost of Adam Lanza and sort of analyzing, uh, y- you know, his, his motivations and, uh, and his influences. Um, and it, I mean, it is surprising to me that these, you know, we have this like explosion of, of mass shooters and it's like, all like the only time like we have like these canned answers for it but we've never really had like a you know a nationwide uh like nuanced discussion about it i mean we're starting to a little bit especially as all these like like there's sort of a new crop of like uh you know gen z shooters who are like it's kind of hard to deny that it's not necessarily like ideologically driven um and we're starting to talk about it a little more and there's some some more studies coming out that it's like usually, you know, from isolation, it's a form of suicide. It's not, these people aren't trying to be political martyrs of any kind. Um, but yeah, I mean, I was, it just at the, at the time, this was sort of before all that. Um, I was, I I don't know. I just, like, I was very curious about it. Wow. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's kind of, yeah, it's kind of, um, intrinsically linked to internet culture in a way that I don't think the mainstream understands fully yet um which is very worrying um i'm really it's really strange that there aren't more journalists doing what you do at the moment like it's kind of a new frontier this sort of like web journalism um thing and even the people who do do it it's usually very surface level it's not as like 
you know, in deep. But I guess it's difficult to be in deep in that sense if you don't at least have some tangential experience with those subcultures online and you don't have some kind of knowledge of them and you're not just sort of looking at them from this sort of like, I guess, like very kind of boomer media perspective. Um, uh, yeah, like in terms of like these different communities online where antisocial, that are sort of known for antisocial uh, people hang out, do you have any experience with them? Do you sort of look at them? Do you troll them? Do you lurk? Do you like, uh, do you have, do you have any like uh, insight into them? Uh, so some of them for sure. Um, you know, not all of them, but I, you know, I do think there's also like certain online universals, like things everyone's experienced if they've sort of been to online, mm. they've spent enough time online. There's definitely things that I think are like, um, like, uh, unique to certain communities, but I think there's a lot of experiences that are universal. Um, I also think that there's like two internets. There's sort of like the commercial internet, which is like the internet of like trends and, you know, like sort of like anything we see about TikTok and like the mainstream media. And there's sort of like an underbelly of the internet. Um, and what gets reported on is usually the the, the commercial internet, the sort of like lighthearted internet. Um, and the underbelly will only get written about if there's a way to politicize it. Yeah, exactly. Um, exactly. Yeah. And, you know, the, I think the problem with a lot of, like, internet culture journalism is that it's like, just, like, rushed. There's a lot of really, really talented writers and a lot of people who really know their shit. And you could tell they know their shit, but their editor is holding them back. Mm. Or you could tell that they, you know, they know what they're talking about, but they haven't, like, the, the problem is you need to, like, lurk for, like, a really long time to get a handle on things. Mm -hmm. And they probably just, you know, if they have to churn out two articles a week or even, like, two articles a month like that's actually like a lot of work and they don't have the time to like lurk and then and then there's this other problem where like if even if they are um like for example this woman this woman called me up from like a major publication she wanted to know about a particular subculture she was like i'm going to spend a year with this subculture um you know i haven't found a lot of writing about it but you've written about it can you point me to some websites whatever i want to i want to write the definitive piece on these on these people and i was like yeah sure um you know i was like you go here here and here i'm like i'm not an expert on it but i I've, I've sort of have some like you know, some experience with it. Um, you know, don't take my word for it, but like, it, it's great that you're spending a year with it. And then there was like a spate of like six articles that came out about the same subculture. And I, you know, her piece hasn't come out, but I guarantee you it was killed because it's like, by the time you finish your research and you, and you are careful, it's like, it's out of the, the conversation cycle or it's been done so many times that like, no one wants to hear a thing mm -hmm. about it. And all that, you know, and the only thing that's recorded is like wrong information mm -hmm. because like people just need to get things out on a deadline and not, not only on a deadline, they had to like fit it into like, well, why are people going to click on this? And like, how is it going to get like an emotional response? Okay. Let's tie it to a news story or like, you know, let's say like th these people are being like radicalized or like that this is impacting self-esteem or something that might not even necessarily be true mm -hmm. and then these like false narratives get spun mm -hmm, definitely and it's it's interesting though because like you, you mentioned the politicization and that's like the only time when you know these sort of mainstream journalists dive into the underbelly of the internet um but there does obviously seem to be an entire host of ideologies that kind of fester in these certain forums um ones that i've even been shocked to discover exist or really archaic ones that have sort of been resurrected like you you can find just about anything and and i know that with adam lanza it was it was like this very kind of um staunch anti-natalism which you you cover in the story um and there's something i guess about these places where alienated people gather and in, 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 in an attempt to seek a sense of purpose and the sort of allure of like ideology. Um, and uh, I, I, I wonder what you think of that. I, I, as somebody who has absolutely no experience in these like spaces, I'm quite obviously skeptical about the leftist kind of, you know, mainstream publication notion of radicalization and all of this stuff and the sort of um, very simplistic way they talk about how that process occurs or whatever. But there obviously is something going on in that sense. And I don't know if alienation is enough to explain it. Uh, I wonder, I wonder what you think. I wonder what you think. Yeah. I mean, Look, I do. I do think people. People sort of like. It's obvious that people get radicalized and yeah. they believe some like. Well, 
I don't know if they necessarily believe it, but it's like they start it, they start wearing the costume sort of of like some heinous beliefs for whatever reason, you know, the reasons we've already discussed. Um, but for like the more niche things, I think a, like a lot of it is just it like adds structure to people's life. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, like I, I think just even in my own journey and like the weird niche forums I've been in, you know, they haven't been as like uh, out there as uh, ethylism or like, you know, more extreme antinatalism, but like some of like the weird diets that I've been interested in, like those are like online communities and like they're, they're, they're ways to like help shape my world and like occupy my time mm-hmm. um, and keep me busy. So I think like at the root of it, it is alienation and sort of purposelessness. Mm-hmm. And then it's just like whatever like skin you happen to, <laughs> you have to, you happen to find for that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like I was like super into like 30 bananas a day, which is like a fruitarian diet. Whoa. <laughs> uh, wow. Yeah. I mean, it was like a forum and it was just like a whole, there was like YouTubers and there's like micro celebrities and like blogs and it was like a whole, it was just like a lifestyle. Um, and like, you know, I, like I, I wasn't in a like physical world community of other fruitarians, but like, you know, there was memes that were like specific to it. There's all sorts of things that were just like part of this community of just added like it's like okay this is my thing this is this is how you know this is what I'm anchoring my identity to mm-hmm. these are the people I'm talking to this is what's sort of keeping me busy and like helping me like you know like narrate my existence mm-hmm. um and I think I mean I think that's just sort of the explanation for for everyone there's just like nothing else mm-hmm. like my like without that it was just like you know and I like I've actually like reflected on it like recently like I, I there's just nothing else to do for some people and it's sometimes it's like where you live or like who you ha- you know who you have or you know in your family or like what kind of friends you have in real life it's just there's like you, there, you need something to like give your life cohesion and it, it's it's easy to get it online and it's easy to get it in in these communities mm. It's sad and it, I think it's it's dangerous that things have become sort of this stratified and that there are situations where this sort of communication is people, that people do feel it is their only option for sort of community and self-actualization. Um, but then out of that kind of spews a bunch of like mimetic hazards um, <laughs> and it's like you have to imbibe the mimetic hazards in order to fit in basically um, and it's sort of this like digital pre-made uh, persona that you can sort of don in order to have access to like a community to have access to social capital and I think it's quite like scary that young people are being conditioned to form their identities this way <laughs> um, I wonder what your thoughts are on that uh, or whether we disagree or agree yeah i mean i you know i think like one big thing too is like you end up forming your identity based on like affinity as opposed to experience Mm -hmm. like one place this is super obvious is like there's a lot of gay people who aren't gay Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. it's because there's something about like the aesthetic of gayness Mm -hmm. online Mm -hmm. um you know however it it manifests that is appealing to them and Mm -hmm. they you know they join whatever community um but it has nothing to do with like same-sex attraction Mm -hmm. it's just like you're gay because like the Tumblr tags that like your friends are always posting under or like the discord servers you're in or like whatever thing, um, you know, they're, they're like queer coded. Mm -hmm. So like that, so suddenly that's what you you are. It's like, it's affinity towards like certain media and images and, you know, language. Um, and that's, you know, that's, that's true of a lot of things. I mean, it's, I think that also sort of partially explains a sort of like, uh, you know, explosion of like Nazis of color. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, some of that is like, like they are racist. Right. But I think a lot of that is also like an affinity towards a certain aesthetic. Um, and, you know, being able to be anonymous and then it just yeah. sort of everything kind of lines up. <laughs> that, that, that affinity aspect translates to all forms of identity politics that exist online and I find, I've always found it quite alienating um, I sort of have I'm like I guess because I like I'm of mixed heritage I grew up in two different countries I've never I grew up in like you know neighborhoods where people were from all kinds of different places I'm pretty cosmopolitan I've never had like a quote-unquote place to belong so I'm sort of quite used to that kind of rootless feeling um, so I don't necessarily feel a need to fill that void. <laughs> I just sort of um, try to do what gives me pleasure. Um, but then at the same time, I can understand why that need exists in a situation where somebody really has nothing else to do. Um, and 
the thing that worries me the most is that it incentivizes them not to actually fix that problem. Um, I don't think they know to fix it or they know how to fix it. Mm. Right. I, you know, I think like people just don't know what to do. Like they, like you, like you said, you do things like that make you happy things for pleasure. I, I think like a lot of people just don't even know how to get there. Like they, like no one's really like doing things just for leisure. And like, I don't think just like, uh, you know, like binging on whatever in like a hedonistic way. I don't think that's doing something for leisure. I think that's sort of like a maladaptive attempt at, at happiness. Of course. Right? Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. But in terms um, of like, in terms of like things that enrich your life in terms of like attempting to build like relationships and build hobbies and things like that, like I guess part of the reason why, despite like the fact that he's become kind of a corny meme at this point, the reason why I don't like make fun of Jordan Peterson as much as everyone else does is because like I do think it's good that he's telling people to go outside and clean their room and he sort of spoke to a specific demographic of people who really needed to hear that and needed to hear a more empowering message that gave them hope and I think that that kind of is the only antidote to the current kind of alienating kind of moment that we're in is people kind of you know, taking some element of responsibility for their own happiness. Um, because if they don't, then someone else is going to find a way of like selling or making profit off of your inability to like find your own happiness, unfortunately. Um, yeah, sorry, go ahead. I wonder what you think. No, no, I, I totally agree with you. And I, I you know, I, I agree. Like Jordan Peterson is like, he's sort of a cringe lord, but like his essential, like original message was, was right. Um, I mean, I just think that I think the thing is, I'm sure a lot of people try, but they just don't know how. Like, they, it's just there's so few opportunities for it. Um, you know, we have like a crisis of like everything needs to be monetized, mm -hmm. or like everything needs to be in a list. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's another like, like one thing I see a lot is like, like no one just reads a book, right? Like it needs to be added to Goodreads, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. And that and those are that's like the minority of people who are daring to open up a book at all. Right? <laughs> um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, and then if you do read a book, like, do you, like, like, then what? Like, is it does it get discussed? Um, like, they, they, like, there's just everything sort of feels purposeless, right? There's no like venue for for things um, that, and everything has to like like because everything needs a purpose that everything becomes sort of like purposeless mm -hmm. if that makes any sense. Definitely, um, but then the, the thing is, there's so many vectors of false purpose that are looking to yeah, sort of totally. fill that void and politics and ideology kind of acts as a form of false purpose a lot of the time for people and ends up kind of being another avenue that kind of saps them of their energy um, and also their the, their sense of purpose that could otherwise be instrumentalized like productively um it's it's really it is really sad and it seems and and there's so much profit to be made from providing people with false purpose i saw i kind of witnessed how this kind of occurred on the left since that was kind of the thing that i was adjacent to at the time and how the same feelings of alienation that are usually kind of um described for incels with the same feelings of alienation that were kind of being preyed upon on the left, kind of um, in terms of inducting people into this sort of reality tunnel where everybody's a fascist except you and your friends and the people who, you be who believe what you believe and um, this sort of idea that you're fighting for some, you know, grandiose political goal. Or all of these things were kind of used to anchor people in a sense of false purpose and you know when the bernie mo moment in f eventually burst um you sort of saw people going and seeking false purpose in other forms of political ideology and brain wounds and that's kind of what it seems it just seems like a rabbit hole of fa false purpose when one milieu falls apart or one political ideology is no longer in vogue or one aesthetic changes people go and move to the next current thing quote unquote and it seems like there's absolutely no end to it which is why i guess i find it incredibly like alienating well, what do you think what do you think yeah I, I totally agree with you and, and then you know inevitably you get burnt out and then you just sort of like withdraw from that life but there's no like public life or like physical life for a lot of people to mm -hmm. like then go into there's no like secondary mm -hmm. world or what really should be the primary world it's just sort of like 
you know, like a lot of people will sort of like burn out on this stuff and then you kind of check in on them like two years later and like, like, what have you been up to? Like smoking weed on my couch and then you know, like, <laughs> nothing. Like I, yeah. I have a, you know, I, I work at, a, you know, as a salesperson now and I just, <laughs> my life sucks ass. <laughs> it's true. I guess, I guess I just don't, I don't know. I, I really just, um, I guess I just feel like when people put all their eggs in the digital basket, it inevitably you know leads to like psychic and like emotional and like all kinds of different issues um and i also think that it's important to remain grounded in the real world as best as you can if you do have some kind of vocation that requires you are part of the digital realm in some way um because like yeah it is sad when you like you said you mentioned when you do see people completely burn out and like especially when they're incredibly talented and creative and they have a voice and there's nothing wrong with their actual creative ability it's just the environment that sort of you know made them demoralized i i find yeah yeah. And like we were saying, like, you get psyoped into thinking, like, there's nowhere else to go, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. Like, I mean, here's the other one, and this is is something that I've been thinking about a lot lately. Like, let's say you're ousted from, like, you know, the leftist community, right, or, like, the dominant leftist community. There's, like, a sense that, like, you can no longer be a leftist. Well, that's not true. Like, like, there's no, like, that, like, there's probably other leftist communities, one, that that are not visible to you. Um, And then, like, two, like, you don't, like... That like that group of people who harmed you doesn't have ownership over an ideology. Like you, you don't have to completely lose your sense of self. But because of the way things are structured, it feels, feels like, like it, yeah, for our, people, yeah, yeah, like oh, like I lost everyone I know yeah. and how I got my dopamine fix, and also the only thing I believe. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. People treat it like it's like a complete like shake of a complete shaking of their like entire foundation, despite the fact that like nothing has really changed other than the people who you talk to. Like, like online or whatever but when you're young and you sort of get wrapped up in this stuff it really does have this sort of existential like impact um and i remember i read an article last week that was really interesting and it it was sort of talking about how the internet despite all of its idiosyncrasies and cringiness is kind of a psychic battleground and it's almost like a testing ground for your grit as a human being in a way um so even though i talk shit about it all the time and i'm always like complaining about how the incentive structure sucks blah 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 i do think that there is some psychological benefit to navigating it in a sense i feel like it does kind of make you tougher or at least it shows you your shadow or shows you your own like areas of um i guess vulnerability in that sense areas where you can like sort of reflect on to like become a a stronger person i wonder to close out like what what effect has being online had what positive effects do you agree with this notion of the internet as like a battleground for the psyche yeah i mean i i think that's a that's a, a good way to put it i mean to the like positive effects like you know i mean like i was saying earlier i like i am a very like socially awkward person and as much as i feel like i've been like bullied online or whatever i've also like met like my best friends like lifelong best friends there's people i met on like neopets in like yeah. 2001 yeah, yeah. I'm, like you know i'm coming to my wedding like <laughs> and there's like there's there's a lot of things like that you know mm-hmm. i i've i've i, I like there's just, I mean I've I've made a ton of like v- like very durable relationships and I've also Same. like opened yeah. my mind to like a lot of like art and literature Same. um and you know it, there's there there I've I have a career because of the internet there's a whole host Same. host of things that I'm really thankful for and I also have like great memories of like the you know a different internet like I have great memories from like second life which sounds like <laughs> crazy to admit but what I do you know mm-hmm. and and the sims online and you know, all <laughs> World of Warcraft and all sorts of shit. <laughs> but like, yeah, I don't know. There's there are a lot of good things about the internet. Definitely, and it's fun. That's why we're all here at the end of the day. <laughs> um, it's so much fun, and and yeah, it does expand your horizons. I guess to close out, um, what are your hopes for the internet? What in terms of like your general sort of ethos and your general kind of like hopes for the future in terms of like what you hope to see change and what you hope to see. Kind of like manifest. Um, what, what, what do you think? 
I would love for like the normie internet to become more like like every everything's like next door like Facebook groups and it's, it's more of a supplement to real life instead of a uh, instead of an alternative life that you could step into mm-hmm. um, or even like a parallel life that's always sort of on top of you know our physical existence mm-hmm. and I want like the barrier of entry to use it to rise and the people who want to be like chronically online and like really you know burn themselves out with the internet like they need to work for it and it's like you know what they're nerds they earned <laughs> They can do, they, yeah, they they can do it. That's it's a lifestyle. Yeah, exactly. You got to earn it. You got to fucking do. You got to put in the hours before you can claim the the clout. Um, I agree. I agree. Um, thank you so much for coming and talking to me. Um, I've been getting messages from people like you need to get default friend on the show. Like you guys need to talk. Like all of this stuff. So I'm really glad it like finally happened. Um, yeah. Would you like to plug? your stuff let people know where they can find you and also the adam lanza series as well sure um well thanks for inviting me um i'm at defaultfriend.substack.com or at default underscore friend on twitter um and the adam lanza series is just pinned on my substack so it's it's the first thing you'll see and um i think substack started doing something where they like automatically paywall stuff um that's like older than a certain amount so if anyone is interested in like see something they want to like listen to or read and it's paywalled and you're like i'm not giving this girl five bucks just send me an email and i'll copy you (laughs) that's really kind of you that's like really nice that's really nice of you um well thank everyone in the audience for listening and i shall catch you next week goodbye